any mother or father here could imagine Mary and Joseph's anguish when they realized that Jesus wasn't with them in the caravan. They had already traveled a day and a half before they realized that he wasn't with the group. And then it took them three days to find him. Those must have been terrible, anxious days. I'm sure they didn't sleep at night as they were retracing their steps back to Jerusalem, winding through the streets of Jerusalem, calling his name, knocking on doors, asking people, have you seen the boy? And then when they finally find him, worn out and exhausted by the search, instead of sympathizing with their anxiety, Jesus asked them as if they should have known, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? That was a moment of purification for Mary and Joseph. It's not that they had forgotten that Jesus was the Son of God, but they had grown accustomed to his childlike affection and to sharing the joys of ordinary life together. So it was jarring to be reminded so suddenly that their beloved son was the Son of God the Father. And he had a divine mission to carry out. But Mary and Joseph were parents of faith, and so their anguish and confusion quickly gave way to wonder. They marveled again at who their son was, the Son of God. That day they renewed the wonder that had filled their hearts in Bethlehem. The Gospel says that on that night, all who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Something similar happened at the birth of John the Baptist. The Gospel says, all who heard these things took them to heart, saying, what then will this child be? And that's the Lord's invitation for parents today, to renew their wonder at the children that God has entrusted to them. To ask God with reverence and awe, what then will this child be? So tonight I want to speak to the parents. And if you're not a parent, well, the Holy Spirit will show you how to adapt this message for yourself. Because I think it is a message for all of us in our own way. But especially for the parents. This is a night for parents to renew their wonder at the children that God has entrusted to them. Because just as Jesus had a mission to bring about the salvation of the whole world, and just as John had a mission to prepare the way of the Lord, so your child has a mission in life given by God that only she or he can fulfill. And whatever that unique or particular calling is, you can be sure of this that your child is called to be a saint. I'm not saying that they already are saints or that it will, it's easy to believe that. But, you know, if we took the place of Mary and Joseph, it wouldn't have been easy for us to believe that he was the Son of God. Imagine you were in their place. When he's very small, you carry him in your arms and feed him. You watch him grow and play. He eats, he gets tired, he falls asleep, just like any other child. And although every day you love him more and more, you become so familiar with him that 
it's hard to believe. This one is God, the almighty God. This one is my creator, the one who spoke the universe into being and gave the law on Mount Sinai while the mountain smoked and trembled. This child is God. It took faith for Mary and Joseph to believe that their beloved child, as innocent and beautiful as he was, was God. And in a similar way, for those of you who are parents, it requires faith to keep in mind who your child is in God's eyes. That that child has been baptized and is now a son of the Most High God, a daughter of the Most High God. That if they remain in a state of grace, the Holy Spirit dwells in your child. My parents loved us a lot, but I don't think it ever crossed their minds that we were called to be saints. And we never gave them much evidence of that either. The way my brother and I fought, I think in all of our childhood, we never finished a game of Monopoly. Never. Because he always got lucky. I could have sworn that he landed on free parking twice as often as I did. And he had this smug little way of taking the, the $500 when he did. And that was my breaking point. And so I would launch across the table and go after him. And all of a sudden, Monopoly money was flying and thimbles and dice. And so I know it's hard to believe. And I'm not saying your children are already saints. If any of them are, I would like to meet them. It would be great to be, have a little saint in our midst here. But they are called to be saints. God has a dream for their life. And it's important for you to align your dreams for them with God's dreams for them. Because whatever you dream for them, you will communicate to them, even if you don't say it. If you have worldly or superficial dreams for your kids, that's what you'll transmit to them, even if you tell them a thousand times, I just want you to be happy. If your be-all and end-all for them is that they go to Georgetown, even if you don't buy them a little Hoya jumpsuits when they're babies and paint their room blue and gray and, and pin up a pendant on their wall, they'll perceive what your dreams are. No, I'm not saying it's wrong for you to want them to go to Georgetown or any other school, but that can't be the be-all, end-all. When we impose the wrong kind of dreams, or dreams that aren't the ultimate dreams, that aren't God's dreams, upon them, it exerts an undue pressure upon them. It can stunt them. You know, a few years ago, they did a study on students at Princeton who were suffering from extreme anxiety about grades. For many of them, the possibility of failing a class provoked panic attacks and even suicidal ideation. And they asked these students who were so afraid of failure, what's your measure of success? And they had no answer. They just knew that they had to be successful and it was better to die than to fail. My point is not that that all comes from the parents, that the parents are all to blame. Because each one is free and there's a whole social pressure that sometimes exerted on children. And the point is also not that you shouldn't have ambitions for your children. There's nothing wrong with wanting them to go to a good college or to play varsity sports or to find a good husband or wife 
and buy a house and have a good job and live a good life. But all these ambitions have to be ordered to a higher dream, God's dream for their lives. And if they come into conflict with that dream, they have to be renounced. So ask yourself, what are my dreams for my children? And then ask the Lord, Lord, what are your dreams? This week I want to invite you to contemplate your children with fresh wonder. As Joseph and Mary contemplated Jesus in the manger, and as they wondered at him when they found him in the temple speaking with the doctors of the law. Ask the Lord, as the people asked at John's birth, what then will this child be? If they're still small, you can sneak into the room while they're sleeping and, and contemplate them and pray for them. If they're already 16 and they find you sitting there while they're sleeping, they might be a little weirded out, so don't do it if they're already older. But the last encouragement I have for you is this. Read the lives of the saints with your children. Or watch movies about saints. A lot of them are a little bit corny, but some of them are really good. And it will awaken the truest and deepest ambitions in their hearts. To love like the saints love. To serve. To serve God. To have an impact. And that's the true measure of your success as parents. That your children become saints. Of course, it isn't something that you can do for them. It's the work of God in their souls and the collaboration of their own free will. But as parents, you have your part to play, as Mary and Joseph did, to help them discover God's dream for their lives and prepare them to live it out.